0: May the Lord help you in hearing, friends, and one in speaking. I would direct your prayerful attention to Psalm 139, verse 17. Psalm 139, verse 17. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! I wonder how many texts we could read, friends, that would have two exclamation marks in them. As you young friends know, we put an exclamation mark in if something is there that is to be uh, exclaimed out loud. And it adds emphasis to the sentence. And as I just read it, I thought there's two of them there and how this word commands it, the thoughts of God. Now, this psalm is one of 55 that was written to the chief musician. Or that the chief musician should be the musician that they that uh, controls the singing of them. Because as you know the psalms are metrical and uh, all were written to be sung. And the chief musician, a psalm of David. You find in this psalm, as you look at the background, and may we be helped to do that before coming to our text, uh, we find in the background that there is much of the power of Almighty God expressed by David here. He speaks, initially, friends, of the omniscience of God. He speaks secondarily, from verse 7 onwards, of the omnipresence of God. And then, really, from verse 12 onwards, well, 13, really, the omnipotence of God. Those three omnis that we hear of, often mentioned in our pulpits, omni, of course, meaning every, So, everywhere, the eyes of God, omnipresence, everywhere he is present, and he's omnipotent, he has every power uh, in all matters. Here, David covers all three. So, from verse 1 down to verse 6, thou hast searched me and known me, thou knowest, thou compassest, there's not a word in my tongue. Thou hast laid thine hand upon me, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, the omnipresence of God, that he is everywhere seeing us exactly as we are. I wonder how comfortable that makes you and I feel, friends. I know we hear these things, but God's all-seeing eye upon us. David acknowledged it. David felt uncomfortable because of his sins. There was discomfort for David. You know, Nathan came to him and said this, Thou art the man. I'll tell you this, my friends. The dear Lord convicted me when somebody mentioned something to me and that dear person uh, is my Nathan. We know it. Ah, oh, what about this? Yes, confession before God. It was me. I did it. What about it, you young friends? Have any ever told you you've done something wrong? Perhaps your parents have. And has it come home to you like this? I've done it before. My my parents are aware, but God is aware. He's seen that sin. He knows that I've done that thing that's wrong. Yes. Friends, I hadn't thought of speaking like this at all, but I'll tell you this. uh, When the Lord convicted me of that particular sin and in that way, thou art the man. Thou art the man. Don't look at another. Thou art the man. The eye of God upon me for my sin. You know, uh, the next... Day as I, well I think it was later the same day actually. No, it was the next day. I wandered up Cranbrook High Street and it brings it back to me being in the town here. And there was a car park, friends, and I felt fully my sinnership before God. And uh, and I looked at this car and there was a text in the back of it. And it was this, the Lord is with me always. And quoted the word. Now the word in our Bible friends is this. Lo I am with you always. I stood on the corner of the street. And I can honestly tell you. I wept. Because the Lord spoke it into my heart. You're a defiled man. Thou art the man. But I have thoughts of peace towards thee. And not of evil. To give thee an expected end. God's thought. And so, friends, uh, that conviction was followed by a word of comfort and consolation, and young friends, if you felt that conviction, may you find the Lord yet speaking in deliverance to give you some hope. And we'd had no thoughts of these comments, but you see David was seen the omnipresence uh, uh, of God uh, uh, in these in, in the in, in the in this uh, and the omniscient eye of God, uh, and his omnipotence in his mighty power. So verse 1 to 6, and then we come to the presence, the om- omniscience, uh, omnipresence of God, from verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. Yes, everywhere. And so it is... Uh, uh, even shall thy right hand lead me uh, even there the uttermost parts of the sea there's no getting away from God you know and although there are many in the world that think they can and they do because they will perish in their sins but none of the ransomed shall ever be lost they can't be lost and the Lord will reach out arm. And I believe it behoves us to pray earnestly for those who have left the courts of God in desiring that yet the prodigals shall return. Because there is a time, there is a period known to God when all his sheep redeemed by blood shall leave the hateful ways of sin, turn to the fold and enter in. And friends, just because you come to chapel doesn't mean to say that you've left the hateful ways of sin. It doesn't mean to say that you've entered in. There needs to be a searching out of the heart, but it's wonderful to see the young friends in chapel. Do not get uh, my point uh, wrong, but there must be the application of the word in the soul. And that's what we would ever contest for, isn't it? Application. You see, we come then uh, to that uh, where there is the acknowledgement of how wonderfully made, fearfully and wonderfully made, uh, uh, which really sets forth in those verses there uh, preceding our text uh, between 13 and 16. Really, it speaks there of the omnipotence of God. God, God in his perfection has created created man, created David, fearfully and wonderfully made. Friends, it's such a wonderful thought that David, in all his imperfections, was able to write a psalm, pen a psalm like this, where very much he speaks of the power and might of Almighty God. Because he knew it. And friends, that's real teaching in the heart that we would ever contest for. So we come to this then uh, when he considers t- we consider our text, how precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God. So what is a definition of the word precious? Before we come to the thoughts of God, Now the word precious can mean something that's important. It can mean something that has got a high value. It can mean something that is rare. Now friends I believe in the terms of God's thoughts towards me, says the psalmist and the psalmist being an example of the Lord's people, the Thoughts of God to his people are not rare thoughts. I don't think that's the application of that uh, dictionary rendering of the word uh, um, uh, um, precious. I think it's more important, definitely important, those thoughts of peace and not of evil to give us an expected end. Those thoughts of love... Those thoughts of mercy, despite the wretchedness and the sins, and we've spoken of our own little case, but you see friends, that's what it is uh, 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 the, the preciousness that's in those, they're important, uh, but also the value of them. The value of the preciousness of those thoughts is eternal life friends. How can we put an estimation? On the value of those thoughts. How precious, how precious they are. Yes, more precious than all the rubies, all the gold, all of the valuable uh, coins in the world. More precious. What shall it uh, uh, benefit? A man, if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul, friends, the benefit of God's thoughts towards us. How precious then are thy thoughts unto me, O God! His thoughts unto the wicked are this that he has created the wicked, he hath created The waster to destroy. And don't we see those going about with a destructive spirit? But, friends, the Lord's people, created to worship him, but his thoughts towards them, his thoughts. Now, friends, I wonder if you've ever considered how many thoughts the average human being has in a day as I understand it, it's about 6,000, which comes down to, uh, and you can work it out, but it comes out to three or four thoughts in every minute of the day. And even as you sit and listen to a sermon, your thoughts will be, I hope, on the subject, but they will also be flying here and there a little, won't they? Even around the subject matter we're talking about. Our minds are ever on the move. Our thoughts... What about God's thoughts for the six billion people that are upon the earth at this point in time? Thoughts for many that they have no love to him, they have no time for him, they have sadly no knowledge of him. But for those, and we have no idea of the number that are to be saved that are currently upon the earth, we know the the number, friends but for those that are his, the apple of his eye. Those that will know what it is to have those blessings of uh, uh, um, apples of gold in pitchers of silver. Uh, They're they're special, they're sought out, they're a city not forsaken. They're a people that his thoughts are precious towards. We know not how many there are, but I know this, friend that his thoughts towards them are continuous. You and I lack, we will go through days, hours, days sometimes, barely thinking about God. Even the most ardent Christian, the strongest believer, will have times when they do not think upon their God. And we must be honest in our thoughts in this way. It is so. We may have those 6,000 on average thoughts per day, but how many are towards the Lord Jesus Christ and God in heaven? But He's a precious. His thoughts are on his dear people. Friends, I want us to... It's, it's a subject that's beyond our understanding to think of God in heaven and his thoughts. We read, and it was... Important, I felt, to read Isaiah 55 because we often quote this and move on because it's quoted in different contexts. But as we think of the thoughts of God in heaven, remembering that God, it was God-man and understands our thoughts because in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, he came on earth and would have had, had his own thoughts, thoughts that were pure, Thoughts that were holy, thoughts that had no sin in them whatsoever. And friends, in our 6,000 thoughts, you know, there's a lot of sinning. A lot of sinning. I think we wouldn't want all those 6,000 thoughts to be laid open before another man or woman, would we, or child. All our thoughts to be written up on that wall over there, all the things we thought today. The Lord sees them. He knows our thoughts. Every single one of them. Isn't it searching for us? Doesn't it make us, well it ought to make us tremble. Every single one of those thoughts. Thoughts against people. Thoughts where we want to see people out of the way and destroyed. I I, I want to speak carefully. Thoughts where we think evil towards those that we ought to be thinking kindly towards. Judgmental thoughts, challenging thoughts. His thoughts are perfect at all times. But he says this, let me come to the word that I was going to mention, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. They can't be because they're sinless. They're perfect in every way. For as for God, his way is perfect, so are his thoughts. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And perhaps you young friends, you know, you've got particular thoughts about something you want to do or a pathway you want to go in. And oh, it may well be that that is the permissive will of God, in which case it does go with his thoughts. But it's proving it, it's laying it before him and watching to see how he will guide and lead and teach you. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. Friends, there's like a different layer of thoughts we've got. Right up there, as in the heavens and ours, are earthy, earthy thoughts. Yes, and they're in the mud, a lot of them, if we're honest. But isn't there an encouragement in this, that he thinks upon us? and uh, That... His thoughts are upon the way that we take. The way I take cannot be wrong if Jesus be... uh, 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 But there, and you know, friends, his thoughts will be upon us in that way, you young friends, as you seek the guidance and direction of the Lord. I hope you do. You know, we're going to sing, How precious are thy thoughts, which o'er my bosom roll. They swell beyond my thoughts... Thoughts and captivate my soul. How great their sum, how high they rise, can ne'er be known beneath uh, 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 the uh, skies. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. Now uh, uh, this also leads on from the previous verse which is making the point that thine eyes did see my substance. Uh, yet being unperfect or imperfect, in other words, we, we it's seeing that we were created uh, uh, in sin, as in Adam all fell, so we were born in and, and shapen in 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 sin and shapen in iniquity. It's how we were born, and. We can look on a little baby and and they seemingly perfectly formed, but it's not long before they sin, uh, uh, because it's part of their nature. Yes, but you see, uh, and then it says, "How precious also are thy thoughts, the thoughts uh, uh, of a uh, uh, of a holy God." You know, friends, I'll tell you this. The true believer will think this, as shown and, and under the work of grace, that we are amazed that God has any thought towards us whatsoever, let alone thoughts in the plural. Because why should he think upon those that are so vile? Why should he think upon those that show such hatred to him in their flesh? Why should he think upon those that are so distant from God. Why should he bother to think upon those that so that trample at times upon his blood? They, friends, they will not want to when they're rightly taught, but in nature, it's what we do. It's what we have done. Yes, the wretchedness of our hearts, vile indeed, but you see, we then see that he has thoughts upon us. It's such a mercy, friends, to realise it. God has thoughts, uh, uh, thoughts upon his dear people. Uh, You see, uh, the psalmist says earlier in the book of Psalms, he says, O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. Yes, very deep beyond us the sovereignty of God is beyond us Uh, we've seen something of the sovereignty of God of late amongst our churches in the sudden taking of that young man at 19 Um, and our minds cannot get round it friends we cannot comprehend why our understanding cannot grasp it in our thoughts because we, uh, we feel that, we feel he was cut down at a young age. Why? Why, you see, that questioning of the Lord's will and, and that's what we do. And friends, we're not even closely involved with those dear ones that are in it. But you see, this is it, isn't it? His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And perhaps if you have a disappointment at the moment That you may be able to consider this in the light of this word, uh, that disappointment. And friends, often when we're younger, we have those disappointments. Yes, and the hymn writer says this disappointment, change one letter, and I see this. His appointment, the H instead of the D. Oh, friends, young friends, you may have to see that. His appointment disappointment, yes, and I tell you what, friends, it's for the older friends too, Uh, we need to see that, because so often we have those disappointments in the way, when we thought perhaps something was going to happen, but you see this, David acknowledges in Psalm 40, he says, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us ward. In other words, they're towards us. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Oh, friends, what a mercy that God should think upon you and me, poor lowly creatures that we are. Yet... He thinketh on us. Such a blessing. The gospel in this. Those are the lost. Those are the fallen. Yet he thinketh upon them. Oh, uh, and I think it is Jeremiah that speaks in that way. For I know the thoughts. I know my thoughts. And my thoughts are established. And my thoughts are eternal. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace. Poor soul, poor soul, you're struggling with sin. You're struggling with uh, the difficulties in the pathway. You're struggling with afflictions. You're struggling with all these things. But he says this, the thoughts I think towards you. In fact, you feel there's little peace in your life at the moment, but thoughts of peace. Yes, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end, and that's the end when, oh, friends, uh, when you will be taken up into glory with him. Then ye shall call upon me. Ye shall go out and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Yes, we often hear that other verse quoted, but it's important to say this. Ye shall, then ye shall call upon me. Well, friends, his thoughts upon you mean that you and I should call upon him. And ye shall go out and pray unto me. I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. There's such a blessing in it. Yes, because if his thoughts are thoughts of peace and not of evil, you know, through the prophet Amos, he, he says this, uh, uh, I will do unto thee, O Israel, yes, the, the people of God, uh, 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 that, uh, uh, that um, though he that formeth the mountains and createth the wind, and declareth unto man what is his thought. In other words, he makes clear some of his thoughts to man. Which is interesting uh, because uh, um, and that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth, the Lord the, uh, the Lord of God of hosts is his name that's interesting because you also read in Micah that it speaks of uh, uh, those that look upon Zion, so in other words, as come back, Amos is telling us here uh, that his thoughts that he declare unto man his thoughts. And Micah is saying uh, that they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel. But he, Micah, refers to the nations that look on to Zion. In other words, they look on to the children of God, and they know not the thoughts of the Lord, those that are not amongst the children of of God, those that are in the children of God come into the word of Amos. In other words, let me try to explain this because we've already quoted that word in Isaiah as we had in our reading that our thoughts are not God's thoughts. There are those times when God reveals his will, therefore his thoughts to us. We will never grasp God's thoughts, we will never understand them, friends in their entirety or anywhere near. But there is, by divine revelation, there are some thoughts of God that are revealed to us as poor sinners. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes he shows us a way, he says this, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. And we go through that open door and we realise the matter proceedeth from the Lord uh, or as as Abraham's servant said the thing proceedeth from the Lord that is God's thoughts for us at, in that particular pathway there is a revelation of his thoughts there also is a revelation of his thoughts when he gives us a blessing in our soul and a hope that we are numbered amongst the children of God some word uh, some promise that is sealed upon our heart it shows his thoughts of peace towards us. So there is a revelation, but we will never, I hope we've explained that, the differential there, but those that are not amongst the children of Israel will never know his thoughts, will never comprehend any of them, because there's no divine revelation of them. Oh, Jesus, reveal thyself to me, says the hymn writer, and indeed, that's where we will be. But you see, friends, in the the way of life, you see, I think back to my first pastor, dear old Mr Bradford at Matfield, And uh, he was, he came out of the Navy after the war, but he wanted to go back into it. He had this plan. He had this master plan. And don't we, for our lives particularly when we're younger, and we can understand he had this plan. He wanted to go back into the Navy. He wanted to get his Master Mariner Certificate. So he studied hard for the exam, and he turned up for the examination. But before he could do the examination, he needed to have his eyes tested. Now, he'd always had 20-20 vision, very good eyesight, because he was... Had been working in the First World War in the uh, uh, in the Navy, and uh, one of his jobs was to to look out and to to, to sight the enemy. He got the use of his eyes, but you know he didn't know that his eyes had been worn out by it, and he failed the eyesight test. He wasn't even allowed to take the written test, and he came away. And he realised this, my thoughts are not thy thoughts, your thoughts, neither are my ways, thy ways. And he said this, at the same time the Lord spoke that word to him, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. And he had to prove God's ways were different to his ways. God's thoughts were not the thoughts that he had regarding his future. But may each of us be wise. In seeking God's thoughts for us in the pathway. And I know they're not always revealed friends. And I know we have to tread sometimes and watch our signs. But I believe his thoughts are shown in those. The thoughts of God that are beyond us. Unless, unless in his providence he permits us to see them. Well, that dear man proved through much trial that different uh, positions were opened up for him and how the Lord watched over him and how he granted him that rich provision. And he will provide for you, poor soul, in whatever way you need. If his thoughts are towards you, he will provide for you. You know, I thought of one who his thoughts were towards and that was Joseph. I don't know why it should be Joseph. We could have plucked any character out of the, out of the Bible, I suppose, that, that ended up in glory and that we read something of. But Joseph seemed to be upon my spirit. Why? Because he had such a contradictory pathway. He could not have understood the thoughts of God. Why have I been sold down into Egypt? Why did my brother's dislike me because of the coat of many colours? Why did I go down into Egypt? Why, when I'm in Egypt and considered to be a man of some wisdom and knowledge, was I put in charge of Potiphar's house? Why was there a false claim against me? Why did I then, having that false claim against me, then end up in, in, in the prison? Why did I have to wait two full years in the prison before Pharaoh was brought to have those dreams? Friends, all these wise, and yet God's thoughts were upon Joseph that he should be raised to be in number two in Egypt under Pharaoh, that he should in time be able to feed his brethren, uh, from uh, the corn that had been stored up from the seven years of plenty in readiness for the seven years uh, 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 when uh, uh, there would be a lack, you see the way right through joseph Joseph, my son is yet alive, sees Jacob, but you see joseph must must bring Jacob to Pharaoh, he must uh, uh, come before that he 's weeping. Uh, brothers and make himself known why was all this because God's thoughts were upon it Uh, this friends it's summed up in this and you may find it in your contrary paths as we read uh, in, uh, in in the book of Genesis as for you ye thought evil against me but God meant it unto good God meant it unto good God's thoughts God's thoughts are that it was for good your thoughts were that it was for evil oh and that's how we think about the trouble that's how we think about the pathways we come into dear Joseph you know what kindness he was brought to show to his brethren they fell down in fear before his face fear not for am I in the place of God, he says. Yes. Well, you know, uh, we read uh, that um, uh, that uh, um, the Lord Jesus knew when he was upon earth the thoughts of those that were around him. We read that um, when he appeared to his disciples after... Um, that he'd appeared to Simon, and after he appeared to those on the road to Emmaus, Jesus stood in the midst of them, and he said, peace be unto you. They were terrified. He said unto them, why are ye troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Yes, he knows that, he knew their thoughts. They didn't speak a word. And we read several times, and you will find in the uh, Gospels that, uh, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, knowing their thoughts. So he knows our thoughts. He knows our thoughts. But this beautiful word we have by text about his thoughts that are so much higher than ours. And how precious they are. How great is the sum of them. And the next verse says this, if I should count them, they're more than the number, of, uh, than the sand. We ever tried to count the uh, little particles of the sand? Well, of course we haven't. We know this: that we've only got to go to the beach uh, and put our towels and things in the back of the car and cleaning out the sand. It gets everywhere. all the particles get into the car into the car. Well, how many particles are there in, in just one beach? And friends, this is the volume of the thoughts that God has towards His people. How precious it is! And that's the right word. I, I, in fact, I think there's not really a word in the English language that describes the thoughts of God. And we probably need to take that home and ponder that. But you know, Paul writing to. Uh, The church in Rome, Christians in Rome, he says this, Who have known the mind of the Lord? Who have been his counsellor? Yes, Uh, you see, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You know, that's really why we had that him three twenty because uh, you know his ways are past finding out they're beyond us, but there are those things there are a few things uh, that we see in our spiritual and providential pathway where he will make he is his God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain, and he shows us therefore what his thoughts are, but we can't we can't get to his sovereign will in those. He treasures up his bright designs and he works his sovereign will, is what we sung. And uh, you see, that that word precious is such an interesting word in Scripture. And I, I see the time is going. But I just want to say this, friends. You will find it more in Peter's epistles than anywhere else in Scripture. But you see, the word precious really... It refers to the Lord Jesus in every way. Precious are his thoughts. And it says this, that we are not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's precious, friends. And his thoughts are upon those that are his, that he will apply that precious blood. And uh, you see... It, it, it's uh, it's it's it made me wonder why Simon Peter why why did he use that word precious? Because he was a man who knew what it was to go out and weep bitterly because the Lord convicted him of his sin and yet and yet he wanted to walk close to his Lord and Savior. And he says this, We are it gi- whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Yes. Oh, you search the word and see it. That beautiful word, precious. But the precious thoughts of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and uh, uh, you see... It's, um, it comes back to those definitions we tried to bring out. They're so important, those thoughts. They're so important. And uh, the importance we will sing to, though, the importance of his thoughts throughout a never ending eternity. Well, friends, uh, I won't keep you. May you ponder this word. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! Amen.